Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or a real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you successfully sued a corporation only to have the principal claim it had no assets. What did you do? Dennis, we showed after the judgment there was a pattern of the principal taking money out of the corporation for his own personal purposes. And the outcome? After examining and documenting the corporation bank statements, we showed a pattern where the principal was using the corporation as his own personal piggy bank. We were able to show that he personally had a lot of money and should be the real defendant. He thought he could get away with everything by hiding behind the skirts of the corporation, but now he's personally liable. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. Hi, this is Brock Lurie, and this is the Brock Lurie Podcast with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. All right, today, something. A topic that is disturbing, yet very important to analyze. I remember when I was a little boy, my father explained to me something about the Middle East. And he said, if you really want to understand the Middle East, pick up any product, maybe a coffee mug, some pencils, a computer, a telephone, anything, and look at where it's made. And so I picked up something just for fun. It, was, it happened to be a, a mug, and it said made in China. Another one said made in Taiwan. Another one said you know, made in Mexico. Another one, Japan. Different places, right? Some, of course, the USA. Um, there were some South American ones I saw. And I said, okay, what's the point? <clears throat> and he said, you will never find a product that you, you lift, up, lift up, and it says made in Syria. Made in Saudi Arabia, made in Iran. You won't find that. And I, and I said, why is that? And he said, because these are cultures that sadly, for whatever reason, produce very little. Now, Iran, of course, produces pistachio, right? Um, and Saudi Arabia produces oil. And a lot of the Arab countries produce oil. But that's not the same thing. No, raw materials is not yeah. finished product. And generally speaking, they need the Western countries to actually refine that raw material uh, and their contractors and such. They turn it into finished product. They, they turn it to, yeah. yeah. So there, there's, it, it, there's very, there are very few products that actually are used, uh, sorry, are created by these countries in the Middle East. Now, you may, before you jump all over and say that is so racist or ethnocentric or nationalistic or culturalist or anti-Muslim, you know, before you jump there, ask yourself the question, is he right? Because I am. My father was right. And I said, well, why does that teach me anything about the Middle East? And he explained, because every country has to produce something, has to be about something. 
And we talked about before about Hillary Clinton not being about anything, right? And, and a story not being about anything. Well, a country, he said, has to have its own theme as well. America, for example, is about freedom and prosperity, right? Uh, you could say England is about tradition and also freedom. And, uh, you know, France is maybe about brie and other things, but also... Well, they, food and wine. Yeah, but they also have a sense of égalité and liberté, right? Yeah. So th- there's, you still have themes in each of these countries. But Saudi Arabia, what's that all about? And they, but, but people have to be about something. It's like the old expression, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in nothing, you believe in anything, right? You create your own gods whether you believe in God or not, right? So hence, you might have a belief in environmentalism, you might have a belief in socialism, or even fascism for that matter, or all the other isms that we so often talk about. But so, so country, when it doesn't have anything, it still needs to do something. And what I put to you is that so much of what we see in the Middle East, not from Israel, but from Saudi Arabia, from Yemen, from Somalia, yes, Iran, and countries like that, they produce one thing, mayhem. That's what they offer, and destruction. <clears throat> and we're, we're going to have, at the second half of this podcast, we're going to have our good friend, Nani Darwish, who's going to be talking a lot about uh, exactly this. But what I want to focus on, on this part of the podcast, is the exquisite creativity in the destruction that we see coming out of the Middle East. There are things that uh, the, um, the radicals in those areas do that are so beyond belief. And again, I'm talking about the radicals. I'm not talking about... Uh, you know, hopefully, I'm not talking about the moderate uh, Muslims among them and and such. In the, in, to, to note on that, when you're talking about the radicals versus the the moderates, you're talking about the difference between the perpetrators and, and many times the victims. That's right. Of their exactly mayhem. right, exactly right. And and that being the case, um, we we then wonder what what do they actually produce? So, and I, I talked about it, it's it's they produce mayhem, and they're very creative about it. And the things, and why do I say creative? When we joke about it, like what's coming out of, you know, what do they produce? And we joke, uh, you know, most commentators will joke, they don't produce anything, but boy, they really know how to, you know, commit suicide bombings. Who would have thought of that? They did, right? They are fantastic at uh, IEDs, which is improvisational uh, explosive devices, right? They are fantastic at... uh, uh, <clears throat> the way they kill people in terms of the, the, the many different ways that they do it. To maximize pain and suffering. Right. And-, and, and when I say this, you say, well, how can you say that, Barack? I mean, they're just radicals and such. And I say, no, they're, they're not just radicals. Because if they just are radicals in the sense that they want to kill as many people as they can, well, then they would just take you know, one bullet per person and kill them. But instead... We have seen in the past two years alone, in particular with ISIS, such barbarity uh, beyond the, the, the human imagination. And that's where they are so creative. This is where all their juices for creativity, our inherent instinct for creativity, that's where it all goes. I mean, for example, remember the Jordanian pilot that was captured by ISIS? And what do they do with him? They put him in a cage and they burn him alive? And I... I I mean, 
and they had to video it for the glory of Allah, I suppose, and to uh, make themselves feel better. Who knows what they were thinking, but that's what they showcased out there. That was their creativity. And they put so much creativity in it. The, the angles of the shots, the editing, the music, the sound. Yeah. It was a Hollywood production. <clears throat> High quality. That's right. I mean, it, it, they really, they didn't just say, hey, let's burn them to death, shoot it, film it, YouTube it, be done with it. Right. They, they put in, made an effort. Right. A for effort. <laughs> and then we have other things like the creativity of <clears throat> what happened in San Bernardino, uh, you know, in, in November, I believe it was, where, no, it was December. Was it? Well, a few weeks ago. Okay, a few weeks ago, yeah. where uh, you know they, 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 they was a, a husband and wife team, and they came into this this place where they knew there was no security places, and they just wanted to kill a lot of people, and they did so, and it was just so shocking to us. We we never thought it, they, they managed to find the most creative way of doing things. Another example is Charlie Hebdo. Right, how they did that, and and how they the, went the to a Paris cartoonist. massacre, the one after Charlie Hebdo, yeah, the one in November, the one that, especially <clears throat> where they um, went into the nightclub, shot it up, and then were picking victim after victim and gutting them, yeah, to the point where the victims were calling the authorities and begging the authorities to come in and kill everyone, including the victims, because right. the victims being killed inside were being killed slowly, yeah. Yeah, they, they need to somehow create the most horrific way of doing it. But it's it's a it's a form of creativity. It's the dark side of creativity. Let's put it that way. Because, you know, when you hear the word creativity, it sounds like a nice word. It's like love, right? But you know what? There's a thing as too much love, right? There's, there's bad love. There's very bad love. Uh, there's so, Passion is a nice word, but there's also passion that's very negative. Likewise, there's good creativity. And there's horrific creativity. And all we see out of the Middle East is this horrific creativity. Uh, I'll give you more examples. Um, this whole notion, and we, we predicted this, Ari. It was, and, and again, there are some predictions that we make that are very logical and they're very foresighted. Like, for example, the Islamification of Notre Dame. There, it will become a mosque. It became, it's more clear to us now than ever, right? But we predicted that some two-plus years ago by now. And uh, a lot of people thought we were crazy. Nobody's thinking we're crazy now. Um, we predicted the, the exit of, of the Jews from France, and soon they'll, they'll exit from Europe. No, no Jew will, will stay in Europe. No smart Jew, uh, or at least a self-identifying Jew, will stay in Europe anymore. Um, so these are, those are fanciful predictions. However, the one that I'm about to talk about was not a very bold prediction, but it was so obvious. That's why it wasn't bold. <clears throat> that with this influx of a million refugees into Europe, you're, you're going to see more rapes. And, and that's exactly what we saw. A tremendous number of new rapes. And Done the, in creative ways, I might add. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. And where we were wrong about this, we didn't realize how fast it was going to occur. You and I thought it was going to be like one man raping, you know, one French person, one German person from time to time, um, as, as was already happening in Sweden and other places. But we really should have seen it coming because it was much more group rape things that are going on. And it happened so quickly, so quickly after the influx of migrants. It's as if you know, you would think that if they were planning this out, <clears throat> they might plan it out a little bit better. Like, guys, before we do all this mayhem, let's wait like two or three years and then start doing it <clears throat> because then people will forget that it's all about the migration. But no, they have to start doing it right away. 
And that's exactly what has happened. And, and they did <clears throat> to uh, on New Year's Eve exactly what they did to Laura Logan during the Arab Spring, if you remember yeah. that situation. Yeah. In other words, that was not a a wild card or an aberration or an exception. Right. Well, the, the you know, sadly for Laura Logan, she was caught in a very bad place in the, at the wrong time, and it's not as if they planned it out. They simply saw her in in their sights, and they did this horrific stuff to her. Ugh, it just makes me sick. Um, but they had no compunction about it. I don't think there was any planning. There was no creativity to it. I'm not saying that it's a good thing at all, that there, were, that there lacked creativity. It was simply animal barbarism going on. But what happened in Cologne, and that's what you're talking about, near the train station, which is the main center area of Cologne. I actually know it pretty well. I used to live near Cologne in Germany. <clears throat> they, um, they, they planned on New Year's Eve, and there was a big plan. They knew there would be a bunch of women there, and they just targeted them. And they just descended upon these women. That was planned because they knew they would be there. They would be drunk, a lot of them. And uh, they would be ripe for the plucking, as it were. And sure enough, all these horrific stuff, uh, you know, agenda items were going on, including rapes. That was creative. It was horrifically creative. That's what they did. And then I see other things like uh, uh, there was beheading of a, um, of a policeman in England by some random guy from Somalia, I think it was. He just took out a machete and just sliced this police officer's head off. Do you remember this? This is about a year plus ago. <clears throat> and he said, and then he went on a video saying why he had to do this and everything else. And instead of just like, I don't know, <clears throat> taking the police officer and, and hitting his head against a, a wall, he has to do this extraordinary beheading. And then... Uh, likewise, with the beheadings, speaking about that, of, of the, uh, the Coptic Christians uh, in, the, in the beach in, in Egypt, I think it was, or Libya, uh, <clears throat> where that was also filmed, and somehow that was supposed to be dramatically done. Everything about it was designed to be as horrific as possible, and that's where they pour all their energy. <clears throat> now, there's another, I just, there was a, there was an uh, an article that I recently learned of, uh, and I, I don't know what country this was in, I think, God forbid, it was in, in America itself, where a Muslim man decided that his mother was not uh, Sharia compliant enough or was not obeying him enough or whatever it was. And he took his mother and he sliced her throat, among other things. I, I don't even want to describe it. Well, you have to, because if you don't describe it, people don't understand how much if you will, creativity he poured into All right, well, then, then you, you go ahead and do that. I'll describe what he did after that. So what did he do specifically to kill her? I, I believe he beheaded her, and then he took her dead body and ripped her heart out of her chest, uh, which, okay. by the way, requires some tools because it it's not just sitting there like an apple right. on a tree. Right. And then he did a yeah, so that I, you're going to describe. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so that's horrific enough, right, what, what Ari just described. And... You know, it's not good enough, apparently, that the mother is dead, uh, and, and his own mother. I mean, just it just boggles the mind. And this is not just a, a normal, sorry, this is not, certainly not a normal person, but it's not a run-of-the-mill um, uh, situation in which you can say, is, well, here's an insane person who's bipolar and decides to kill his mom. And, yeah, and well, this of, isn't uh, Lyle and Eric uh, Menendez killing their parents and that was it for the money or something. Right, well, they didn't, like they didn't do that to their parents. I mean, they killed them, which is yeah, horrific. they just killed them. They just yeah. killed them. I mean, yeah. once, they, once they accomplished their, their horrible goal, they were done. And, yeah. then, and then the question, was, I suppose, is what, what do we do with the bodies? But that's about it. Uh, again, that's evil. Don't get me wrong. 
but it's not creatively evil. How about that? So, but this is not a run-of-the-mill bipolar situation where he could say, well, some demons were telling me to go slice off my mom's head and then rip out her heart because I, and I, I was not in mental control of myself. That's not what happened here. He did this because he wanted to be as horrific as possible. And he wanted this on the news. So are you with me so far? This is so horrific. What, what I just described, his own mother beheading her and doing the things, uh, ripping out her heart. Okay. Uh, okay. Now the next thing that he does, he does, it, it's it, that's not enough. He decides to, uh, this is like a, he, is the technical. Yeah. He, he decides to pleasure himself over his mother's body. Okay. After, you know, she's of course dead at this point. All this horrific stuff, all this stuff he's done, and then he pleasures himself over her body. And finishes <clears throat> to the point of having the, uh, let's just say, orgasmic emission of fluid on top of her. Yeah. Which, and this I think is the important point to what you're describing, is not all of our listeners are male, so those who do understand this, but right. those who don't understand, for a male sex act to occur, one must be in a certain frame of mind. Well, let's not and even get to that. The, the, the point the is that, point that he's that, able to do that. That he was able to achieve that frame of mind yeah. and emotional state while this bleeding corpse after this horrific crime it had just occurred. So it was all part of a creative, as they say in, in crime shows, an act of um, you know, messaging, if you will. Right. Here's the thing is when I first saw that, and as horrific as that is, I, I, the, my first response was, I would never have put these various facts together. Just never. I mean, it's like, I, I, I would never think to, for example, uh, eat a hot dog with um, peanut butter, with peanut butter, and and eat a part of a bus at the same time. Yeah. Right? I just, it just those facts don't seem to jibe with me. Right? I mean, it's it's madness. Right? It doesn't make sense. And I just don't know how anyone could put those. Three things we just talked about. First of all, killing your mom and then doing the, the degutting way that he did and then the pleasuring things on top of that. It just, I just can't wrap my mind around the, the, the despicable, unbelievable, horrific creativity of that, that monstrous evil. I just can't wrap my mind. But they can do that. They have that ability. And it's not enough. If, if, you, are, if you are going to be captured by one of these mother effers, you should be terrified. Why? Because it, it's, it's not just your life that's at stake. It's how they're going to take your life away and the horrific things that you will experience in yeah, the process. Yeah, you better get down on your knees <clears throat> and pray to God that they're not being creative and they do it quickly. Yeah, and, it, and unfortunately it looks and like... sometimes it. they are merciful and they do. I mean, right. they just shoot you in the head. We've seen a bunch of those. But, 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 but putting that, that aside, it's, 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 there's too many examples where they don't do that. And this is where I want to go. And, and it's, the, it's the, their lust for making it as, as despicable and horrific as possible, preferably all videoed in the process. And there, there, again, just way too many examples of this. The, the beheadings that we started seeing with, I think, Nick Berg was the first one that kind of had the national attention. They've been beheading people for centuries. But uh, Nick Berg, in the, that was uh, the, the contractor. Al-Qaeda. Was, yeah. that, was that the first ISIS or was that the Al-Qaeda? It's Al-Qaeda. Yeah in, yeah, in Afghanistan, I believe, years ago. That's yes. right. And, um, and then they videoed that whole thing, and they, they got a lot of traction uh, out of that. 
Um, and Daniel Pearl, same thing, where they realized, oh, it, it's cinematic. Yeah. Um, the, we can give many more examples of this, but the, the theme is clear here. Um, they, 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 the, the way they treat uh, the women, the, the way they capture them and how they decide. I mean, it would never dawn on me some of the things that I'm, I'm learning, that they could take one girl and just keep her in a room and just enslave them for hours on end and... Or years. Kill, or years, or, and then kill them. Now, you might say, well, what about the, 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 the guy Castro, I think his name was, who had uh, captured three girls who was Hispanic, he was not Muslim, such... Yeah, okay, that's a good example of somebody who did some horrific things. But putting aside the, 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 the terrible enslavement of what he had done, um, he didn't actually torture them. I mean, you can say, of course, their imprisonment was torture enough, but... Uh, it, it wasn't as he, he was just feeding his own lust. He wasn't trying to showcase his his evil. Uh, on the contrary, he was hiding it for years. These guys, on the other hand, um, talk they about make a show of they it. make a show of it, and they see them. They see you, uh, women, and and the more fair you are, in other words, the more blonde or blue eyed you are, the more appetizing you are to them in order to to conquer you. Uh, the, the, pre, the, the civilization that used, used to be the conquering civilization. This is what they've told themselves. So the more despicable, the more, more cruel, uh, the more they think they are pleasing Allah. Yeah, and the more humiliating. And, yeah. and what a God it must be that they're worshiping that, that thinks this is uh, a this wonderful is all right. thing for the adherents yeah. to do. And I think there's, a very, there's two important points to mention about Castro. Number one, we know his name. Why? Because it's rare. Yeah. Exceedingly rare. That's a good to point. To the point that <clears throat> the media coverage he, he received made us remember him, and he stands out as opposed to all those other Hispanic people who do commit crimes and don't commit crimes and are of Catholic or Christian descent. Right. Extraordinarily rare. The ones we're talking about in this podcast about the creativity applied to these kind of uh, dark arts— we can't even remember their names. In fact, if you say the name Jihadi John, it's almost like a, a uh, stand-in alias for any number yeah. of Islamic radicals who are doing this because it's happening every goddamn day in all these different corners of the world, from Nigeria to Indonesia to the Middle East to America. It's happening all over the place. Right. Now, let, let's, you know, first of all, we, we talked about a lot of examples of this horrific creativity. That that's that's what we'll, we'll we will be calling this this episode horrific creativity, and I think it's we've given many examples of it, and the truth is, folks, that these are the tamer examples. These these there are things happening right now in Europe, in particular, that are so gruesome, so unimaginable, that it would take your breath away. You you read it. And you just say to yourself, I wish I'd never read this. I can't believe that this has entered my mind. Just like the, 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 the guy who, who did the thing to his mom that we already described in full. I can't unread that. I can't unsee that in my mind now. I wish I'd never seen it. Can I give two examples to just <clears throat> give an ex- uh, whet the appetite? And this is clearly not safe for work. And this is not safe for children to hear, but here's two examples that I've heard over the years that they've, where they've done this. In one case, a person is being put to death publicly in a square for some sort of insult to Islam. They take the person, they put him in a canvas sack, 
they fill the canvas sack with cats, like 15, 20 cats. They then sew the sack sh- shut, and then they several men come up and beat the sack with sticks for about 20 minutes. They then open the sack, and there's nothing left of the person because the cats went berserk. <sighs> it, uh, unbelievable. That, and, uh, I would never uh, have thought of such a thing. I would have never thought of something like that, too. Now, this next example is even worse. And if the first example was not safe for women and children, this one is so gruesome, it's not even safe for most adults over 18. So be warned. And I apologize for how gruesome this is. A man who was another enemy. And and what's, I think, interesting about both examples is this is what they do to their own, to people who are accused of disloyalty to the faith. Mm -hmm. They took a man and they put a pipe up his, uh, the back end of his digestive tract and said, uh, fed in several diseased rats into his body before removing the t- pipe and then left him in a room and for several days the rats <coughs> burrowed their way out of him. So the death was not, let's say, even prolonged. It was extremely prolonged. Yeah. And, and again, this is what they... Someone thought of this. Someone yeah. planned it. And even worse, uh, if you think that, about it's, the it's, process, it's so someone hard. had to experiment to figure out whether this would work. Yeah. It's just... I, I just can't... Uh, you know, they, they are creative in their ability to create mayhem. Whatever way they can, they'll find a way to, to make it as violent as possible and as horrific as possible. And this is true with Hezbollah. It's true with Fatah. It's uh, it's true with um, Hamas. Hamas, of course. The things that are coming out of these places are just unspeakable. The the, the um, and they do it in front of children I, and and women too. Yes, of course. And um, they there 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 is raping of, of I'm sorry. There's bestiality going on. There's in rampant levels, especially in the Gaza Strip. Um, there are, uh, I mean, the, the rapes and consistent child abuse that, that's going on is unspeakable. And how they use the children as, I mean, to speak about horrific creativity, how they use the children as uh, incendiary devices, um, either as a human shield when they're fighting, which it was probably the most unspeakable, horrific creativity I can ever think of. Whoever came up with that deserves a special place in hell, Right. So this is what they thought about. This is their next angle of creativity to, to fight those evil Israelis or, or, as the case may be, Americans. And, uh, and then when they can't you know, seem to get enough guns to fight the Israelis because the Israelis are very fast with, with their own guns, right? So what do they do? They, they then use their, they're ordered by their people, um, their leaders to use their cars and vehicles as plowing machines. So whenever they see a group of uh, Jews, well, then just plow them over. Uh, just suddenly turn your car and, and plow them over. Isn't that cre- that takes creativity, right? Somebody thought about that, and then the issue went forth, and that's so the order went forth, and that's what they did. And then after that, well, then they said, well, that's uh, they kind of caught onto that. So now we're just going to pull out knives because our knives are very easy to get, and just randomly knife people. And that became the new um, violence du jour, right? And and they just won't stop. They'll we'll find tripwires of different kinds. They'll they'll poison fruit. They'll poison. They'll do everything possible because that's all their energy goes to. It goes to how to create as much mayhem as possible. 
They don't think of any other sort of creativity, productive creativity. Let's make a, a chair. Let's see how we can sell some TV sets. Let's, uh, uh, let's raise some, uh, grow some pumpkin seeds. Uh, I, who knows? Let's make cotton. I, I, there's just too many examples of things you can do. Let's uh, provide services by uh, <clears throat> a call-in center. Instead of India, we can do it here in the West Bank, for example. But no, that's the last thing they seem to care about. All they think about, and they, they sit in the room all day long, how can we be as vicious and horrific as possible? And again, I'm talking about the, the radicals among them, but the sad thing is there just seem to be so many of them. Well, the point that the radicals live with in their own society is they try to further radicalize their own. They kill yeah. people who are moderate. The ones I, I gave examples, uh, examples of are people who were moderate who were put to death because the, moder- the, the radicals could not have those people in their midst. And to give an example... The, the moderates the, were a threat. Yeah, right. That's the whole They're point. They're a threat to, to the radicals. And to give an example of how how much human spirit these people have is when they come to America and they decide to assimilate and they start businesses where sell where for example they start a, a shawarma stand or a Middle Eastern food place like say um, Zinku Chicken or some other you know a falafel king kind of place that's run by a Jew but no matter there is a human creativity that when it's channeled in the right directions results in these people being wildly successful in many cases. Yeah, well, but sadly, those... those I, I think you're right, first of all, that that's, that's what they do. But that's for the normal people, that those who, who have no real desire to create mayhem. Those who are as crazy as the people we've been describing, these are people that have been brought up with such hate uh, all their lives, such contempt, <clears throat> that, and have seen such horrific things, but there, there's no... There's no possibility of redemption for them. Yes. There are, of course, some who do have the possibility of redemption, and there's, there's no issue there. They just need the right environs in order to, to, uh, to blossom their yeah. creativity and, and in, need, in, in a good way. talk about that. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And, you know, the Thomas Friedmans of the world um, will say, well, Barack, you're, you're saying exactly what I'm talking about. You know, if we just give them the right environment... Well, then, by golly, um, with, with a job, with uh, opportunity and such, then by golly, it, you know, everything is going to be great. Well, the problem with that thinking is, first of all, it assumes um, that we can actually impose our democratic structure upon them, right? And, and the liberals will always say, how can you do that? That's just not appropriate. And they mock us for trying to impose Jeffersonian democracy. They, they always go to the extreme when, when we talk about yeah, democracy. George Bush, Nisha, Hildy, <clears throat> and Iraq yeah. is their favorite. Well, they call it Jeffersonian democracy to right. mock him, right? Uh, and all we're saying is we just want freedom for the people. And whatever way they want to do it, parliamentary or otherwise, is their business. And But, but they won't allow that. They, it, they have to go to the extreme as if somehow we, we expect them to wear uh, wigs like, like Jefferson and Adams and such did in the old days. Now, they, they, they talk like this. And of course, the reality is nowhere close to that. But it's not—it's not that in, in terms of if only the, if only we were to modernize them and such like that. The problem is far beyond that. Sadly, the, the problem is cultural. When you have teachings that that for whatever reason, whether it's a correct interpretation of Islam or a faulty and and a horrific interpretation of Islam, it almost doesn't matter. The, the problem is that 
the horrific interpretation of Islam, if we want to use that, want to go that way, has infected the culture so dramatically that if you don't adopt the horrific interpretation of Islam, you will die. Okay, so you have to, you get sucked into it. And as they say, one bad apple spoils the whole barrel, right? We know that there are many bad apples in the Middle East. How hard is, how hard must it be for these people? But then there's so many cultural aspects to it. And that is a problem. Yeah, and, and also, ch- how do children grow up to be well-adjusted adults after growing up and seeing this day in, day out yeah. in their streets? And that is the challenge, my friends. And one of the things that we have to understand is that we will never, ever be able to get a, a positive result by thinking that we can somehow blend this horrific portion of the culture, not all of it, the horrific portion of the culture into our own and saying, it's all going to work out great. It just won't work that way. You have to understand that there are so many evil elements within this culture that we, we, we dare not just continue on plodding along thinking that things will just get great in the future. They won't. And first of all, Islam has to reform from within, such that people like the, the man that we described before will truly be the, the most egregious minority of, of that group, whether they do it in the name of Allah or anything else. Such a thing should be happening as often as such a thing happens in the name of Jesus, for example, which is to say very little at all, okay? But sadly, it's happening so often that we just can't even fathom it. And I don't know how Europe can take in a million uh, migrants thinking that it'll work out just fine, knowing that so many of them have this, 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 this destructive, this horrific creativity in them to make as much damage as possible. I don't know. I, I, I'm very pessimistic about it. Um, I, I think we need to learn quickly, very quickly, from what's going on in Europe because they are truly a cautionary tale. Europe is gone. Europe has gone already before the migration. Now, perhaps the migration is the final death knell. I think it is. When we get back, we will have Nani Darwish with us who will comment uh, a lot about this and uh, talk a little bit more about the culture and and the culture of hate uh, that caused her to run away from Islam. Uh, She's a remarkable breath, uh, fresh air, and uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case involving a $220,000 promissory note, and you won a trial, but later discovered that the defendant had transferred all his assets. Dennis, when judgment debtors don't want to pay, they may shift assets over to their relatives, asking them to hold them till the coast is clear. How did you get the payment? The defendant had transferred title to two commercial buildings. We convinced them to admit it was an illegal transfer. That led 
led to a great settlement with guarantees from relatives with penalties. And don't you know, they're making payments every month on time like clockwork. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. We have Noni Darwish with us, D-A-R-W-I-S-H. She is a wonderful speaker and writer of many books, and uh, she speaks on the issues of Islam. Herself having been a Muslim in her uh, childhood and early adulthood, and uh, she discovered that, well, uh, she wasn't uh, very happy with what she was uh, learning about Islam, and uh, as a consequence, she came to America and became a Christian. And she's an avowed Christian uh, lover of Jesus, and uh, now speaks very eloquently on the subject. She's written so many books on the subject. Um, my favorite two are the ones, uh, actually the ones I've read, uh, are Now They Call Me Infidel and Cruel and Usual Punishment. Fantastic title. And The Devil, <laughs> and, you, and the devil you Know, You Don't Know, uh, and she'll be coming out with more books in the future. Noni, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, My pleasure, Mara. It's great. We, we have so many issues. The, the main issue that we want to talk about is something that we discussed in the past, and we want to understand it. Uh, in, in the previous half of this podcast, we talked about something we call horrific creativity. Mm-hmm. And uh, to summarize, it means that we, uh, we are fascinated with what appears to be this horrific creativity coming out of the Muslim world in terms of how to destroy, how to kill, how to horrify and we don't understand that here in the West. We, mm-hmm. we, we understand somebody goes, let's say, a little crazy, maybe jealous, and he decides, maybe she decides to kill her husband, uh, or, or a, a, man is, a, you know, a man wants uh, some more money, and he's, you know, kills somebody at a bank. Uh, you know, those are bad things. Crime happens everywhere. Crime happens. Uh, and even murder happens everywhere. But the, the, the level of audacity, the horrific nature of, of the, the, uh, the evil that we're seeing that's what we want to understand. And it seems as if they're taking their God-given sense of creativity and, and plowing it in such a destructive and negative way. And we want to understand that a little bit better. Could you, could you help us understand this? Yeah. Uh, in fact, this is a very uh, good topic. Uh, I thank you for, for that uh, uh, topic of uh, create, uh, destructive creativity right. that's very interesting i i like that because god really gave us all uh, the many abilities to use in our world for supposedly for the good of the world we all have talent we all have abilities that uh, uh, hopefully with good upbringing we can use these talents to make life better for us and for people around us. And that's the purpose of religion. The purpose of religion really is to to bring us to use our uh, energy to good, for good. But unfortunately, not all ideologies 
and not all religions are focused on uh, the benefit of all. Some ideologies are focused on the benefit of some, and they are focused on controlling other human beings. So ideologies like that want to use the energy of the people to for its own benefit. So it mobilizes people to disregard what's in their best interest of society for the purpose of using this energy for, yeah. for a limited goal, a limited goal, which is the goal of control uh, for the benefit of only the agenda of that ideology. Right. It's fascinating to me. I mean, one of the things that I'm kind of trying to understand, let's take, for example, and we spoke about it in the first half of this podcast, uh, the Jordanian pilot, you'll mm -hmm, remember. mm -hmm. He was captured by ISIS Mm -hmm. and then horrifically killed. They didn't just put a gun to He was a Muslim. Of course he was a Muslim. He was a Sunni Muslim like that. Right. But but they didn't just put a bullet in his head or maybe, you know, push him across the river or stone him even. They did this horrific thing in a cage, so vicious, so... They're designed to horrify. Mm -hmm. And that's just one example of so many that we've listed in the past. We don't have to go through all yes. of them again. And we know that, that it's a common thing. Mm-hmm. And we, I guess the question I have for you is, where, do, where does somebody learn this sort of horrific creativity? Mm-hmm. Do, do you learn it in the, in, in the, the, um, the, the, the schools as a child to say, mm-hmm. you, you know what, it's really great to be horribly mm-hmm. cruel? Yeah. Um, where is it? Where do they learn it? Well, I think it was the example of Muhammad himself. Okay. Uh, and the Khalifas after him. In fact, one of the Khalifas after Muhammad punished infidels by burning. And ISIS, so he, I, what ISIS is doing is they are taking it from the history of Islam. They are not, everything horrific ISIS is doing is, act, in fact, has happened in the history of Islam before. So it's unfortunate that, uh, that my ISIS is doing the same thing now, but what happened is because that pilot was a Sunni Muslim, just by going against ISIS, they consider him an apostate. I see. And apostates must be burned or killed. So this creativity that you called uh, it's it's an evil creativity and i believe that human energy can be directed anywhere yeah and if you find a little child who uh, grabs a toy from another child and with the socialization with good upbringing you will tell your child not to grab a toy from another child right but if the parents are not good parents they might let the kid do whatever he wants, and eventually that child will grow up to be a man who will rob and steal and kill to to possess other people's property. So I think we all have the urge to to be creative, and the creativity, of, unfortunately, of the ideology of Islam is limited, not for the good of, of society as a whole, to make a uh, you know, the Bible, <coughs> really, the, what, what I like about the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, Jewish uh, or Christian, mm-hmm. they all work in, har- they are in harmony. 
But what's good about it, it produces a value system that is good for a workable society. Yeah. A society that works, yeah. that works together. Well, here's the thing that um, I'm going to wonder as you're speaking, and you've given me many thoughts about this. And I think that the way, the idea you've given me is this, or this thought that's germed in my head. In the Islamic world, I get the impression that good creativity, meaning let's produce a new invention, mm -hmm. let's produce a new kind of work of art, a uh, mm -hmm. new kind of music, mm -hmm. um, that is frowned upon, and in fact, uh, even mm -hmm. considered evil in some way, in its own oh, way. Absolutely. Right? Okay. And music is evil. Right. Humor is evil. Uh, humor is evil. A science is evil. Right. So uh, the, all you're left with is you, you've got this creative impulse. So they're saying, okay, well, here's what we, we'll let you do. Mm -hmm. You can make as many crazy bombs and kill as many people and have fun at it. Mm -hmm. right? They don't even create the bombs because that needs technology. Ah, yes. So but they, they figure out ways of packing them with ball bearings exactly. and Exactly. Yeah. Then what they do is they take the technology of the West, they take it and they, they, make, a, uh, they make a bomb in a, a, a pressure cooker that was, in, that was for the pur the pressure cooker was made for the purpose of cooking faster to make a housewife's job easier. easier. Mm -hmm. But what they did is they took that pressure cooker, which is designed for making life easier, and they, they, they did it to uh, turn it into an explosive. Yeah. So you can have the same product and it can be used for the purpose of uh, cooking dinner for your children right. or for the poor or blowing people up yeah. with a pressure cooker. When I, you know, there was a, an old joke, it's not even a joke necessarily, but it was about, you know, what, what do these the evil guys in the, in, the, in the Islamic world, what do they contribute to the world? And then the joke is, well, they've learned how to improvise their explosive devices as elegantly as possible and as mm -hmm. efficiently as possible. Mm -hmm. Ha ha, isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. And I, I heard that and I thought, you know what, there's mm -hmm. more to that than mm -hmm. we think because mm -hmm. that's exactly what they do and they do it very well. Mm -hmm. And they study it they, and they learn the internet very well for purposes of doing one thing and one thing only, which is to create mm -hmm. as much mayhem as possible. Yes, uh, actually, you're so right with, in this point because they are not just uh, directing their creativity to, to doing evil, but it's the ideology itself that tells them to be proud of it. Mm. And uh, so it, it is, you know, how they feel about what they do is very important. They feel perfectly okay with it. It, they don't. They don't have a conflict in them when they do it. You know that's so interesting that you say that. I I see some of the things that these well these monsters that when, when they're doing the monster sacks mm -hmm. they are monsters. Not all yes. Muslims, of course. Of course. But I'm talking about the ones that are doing this, yeah. and there's a lot of them. Yeah. But they do it with such certainty. Conviction. Conviction. You can see it in their eyes. Uh, like the crazy man uh, that killed a um, an English soldier, I think it was mm -hmm. a year and a half ago or so. Yes. And then not only that, but he was so proud of it, and he did a video of it. He was showing the blood in his hand. Yeah, there was no compunction. There was no, no sense of no consciousness. No whatsoever. Or what have I done? Or is this the right thing? And it, it, this is clear. Someone gave him that kind of clarity. That's yes. what I'm trying to say. 
I just, it comes from the Quran, actually. Yeah. Actually, it comes from the Quran. Yeah. There is a verse in the Quran that actually, in my opinion, uh, directed at taking the guilt out of the mind of the jihadist. Oh, boy. That's scary. And, and that verse says the following. It is not you that's killing them by yourself. Your hand is actually directed by God's hand to kill the infidels. Wow. This wow. is a verse in the Quran. So, <clears throat> uh, so go ahead, it says, go, so go ahead and do this holy act. So when you read your, your holy book that tells you killing the infidels, killing non-Muslims, killing Jews and Christians is such a holy act that will get you closer to God. And, and don't worry don't think that you're doing the killing by yourself alone. Right. I mean, the brilliance of the Quran in making feel, making the followers feel perfectly guiltless. Well, this is the one. This is the one thing that kind of resonates with what I just saw in a. Um, uh, this is a few years back now of a, a a protest, and it was a protest in England, I believe, and it was uh, some Muslims that were complaining about something. And there was one sign held by a woman, as it turned out. That was the one that stood out to me, as if it was glowing. And you know what the sign said? It said, to hell with your freedom. With your freedom, absolutely. That shocked me. I, mm -hmm. I All this time, I thought that everyone mm -hmm. wants freedom. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a freedom sense of right Freedom comes with responsibility. Right. So, and to choice. Be free, and choice. Freedom suggests choice. And also self-discipline. Yeah. And also, uh, Islam and, and Judaism and Christianity are so different. If you look at the, uh, uh, what's value, what is the, the values of the Bible? If you read the Bible, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, its preaching is totally directed to fixing yourself. That's true. It's you have a duty to make yourself disciplined enough to take responsibility and do something in harmony with society. That is the goal of the value system of the Bible. The goal of the value system of Islam is exactly the opposite. It's Islam, uh, the value system in Islam is always about blaming others. It's not about changing yourself. It's about changing others. All right, this is fascinating. I got to tell you, this is, uh, I, I never once thought about that. Changing um, others. It's, it's about an obligation to change others. As Versus to, an obligation to, to look within to to yourself. Look, to change yourself. And this is, this is so profound because that's how psychopathic murderers think. Yes. When, when they see a, a therapist, mm -hmm. the therapist will always determine the level of insanity or, or psychological dysfunction by the fact that they never want to work on themselves exactly. to they fit into to fit. the world around them. They instead want to destroy the world around them in the, right. as the theme of our episode in the most creative ways. And yeah. what you were talking about by that, that passage of the Quran that you read, which is uh, exactly what the point it's you picked up on. Is it it's God's hand. Right, it totally takes away all freedom all of choice. All responsibility, which all is freedom of choice you could possibly have. Yeah. So it is the duty of others to conform to me. Mm -hmm. That is the Islamic 
way of thinking. Yeah, and wow. to the point you wow. made about that sign she held up, when she says, to hell with your freedom, she's not saying to hell with your freedom because she doesn't want her own freedom of choice. To her, freedom of choice is non-existent. Yes. But she's saying to hell with your freedom because as the Islamo-supremacist that she is, she's looking at... Freedom is the thing that gets in her way from dominating you and you and me mm-hmm. and all the rest of the world. And it's kind world. of envy, too. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And here's my religion, my God telling me that I am not free. And these people are free. That means they're not following my Allah. And I'm jealous. I'm envious of them. So they have to be slaves like me. Right. And if they're right, if yeah. they are free, then my Allah doesn't exist. And exactly. to hell with letting that happen. Right. Absolutely. So, so that leads Absolutely. to the next kind of area that I'd like to talk to you about and, and explore with you. We said offline before this podcast, we were talking about how Sharia law really needs government. Um, yes. And we talked about many metaphors like a, like a car needs an engine. It, it, it cannot function without government to, to move it forward. Absolutely. Um, the focus of Islam, what is important for Islam, is very different from the focus of the Bible and the focus of the Jewish and the Christian value system. The focus of Islam is to dominate others, to control others for your own best interests. The focus of Christianity is to control yourself for the interests of the group. And if everyone in the group does the same thing, it will be a harm in harmony for the best betterment of society. And that's why uh, you know, societies that follow the Bible really have uh, uh, work better. They thrive. And, and they, they yeah. actually become a, a great civilization. Because a very simple example, I'll just give you a very simple example, which is uh, honesty and being, uh, uh, don't steal and, 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 be, and be honest. In, in, in a, the ideal Western culture, people used to leave their doors open. Uh, and uh, if you if you have a culture where you know that the people around you are not going to take advantages of your vulnerability, you don't have to hire a security guard. You don't have to. So your finances are going to be more blessed in use to use it for the benefit of of everybody. Right. Better than using your all your energy to guard what you possess. Right. All your energy, that's a good way of putting it. Yes. So in the Middle East, because, uh, the, you know, you can steal from, from the enemies of Allah. You can kill your enemy. You can rape the enemies of Allah. Oh. So, and who decides who's the enemy of Allah? Well, <laughs> you. <laughs> ISIS will decide who's the enemy the of Allah. The accuser. The accuser. Exactly. So... That pilot, who was supposed to be a Sunni Muslim also, like them, they have decided he's an enemy of Allah because he wants to. He was sent by his government to, um, to fight against ISIS. So he became immediately, they have decided immediately that he is an apostate. So how can you uh, have a society that's built on distrust? Yeah. For a society to be built to work and function in the best economical way, it has to have a minimum amount of trust to function. Right. And that is not provided by Islam. Yeah. There is total distrust. It's a society that where not even family members trust each other. A father 
by society can kill his daughter because she's wearing a, not wearing a headscarf. Why? Because society tells that father and that brother that they have no honor whatsoever. They can live in shame. They will be shunned and rejected by society until the girl is killed by them. I would go one step further in that thing, which I think is an important point. That very system incentivizes the father to kill his daughter, even if she doesn't break protocol of dishonor. Exactly. So that he can demonstrate. It, he has no, to show his honor to people. Right. You are, so he you, can walk with. He's, he's sacrificing yeah, his it, own honor. It's very similar to the communist system of East Germany or the Soviet Union, where it doesn't matter if you were following the dictates of the law or not. As long yeah. as you were accusing others, you were winning. You were ascending, winning. as you say, yes. the ladder of slave, uh, slave master relationship. It's a police state. Right. Uh, communism is a police state. Islam is also a police right. state. Right. And well, the nobody, is always yeah. winning. Nobody trusts nobody. I'll make it even easier. It's it's like the uh, I'm good with these metaphors, as I mentioned. Uh-huh. It's like uh, when you want to join the mafia, you, yes. you better you have to kill somebody. That's yes, right. you have to make your bones. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so uh, even exactly. if you don't care about this particular person that you're killing, well, you know you got to prove your your worth, and that's uh, what you're talking about. It sounds like, and and what makes me so upset is when that father that that hypothetical father that mm-hmm. you're talking about when he kills his hypothetical daughter. He doesn't mm-hmm. say, oh, gosh, I really miss her. He no. just seems very proud of it. And, and that, that really, they of course, troubles Islam me. It deadens the conscious. Yeah. yeah, and it's completely antithetical to human yeah. nature. It deadens and, the and that's the point that to help with your freedom because conscious implies, not implies, it demands that there is free will in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because it, exactly. Right? If you, don't, if you don't have free will, then there's no need for a conscious because, after mm-hmm. all, what, you, what you, you've you're done a is... You're That's a machine. It. You're the Terminator. Does Arnold Schwarzenegger in the, in the Terminator, at least in his role as a Terminator, did he have any feelings? No, that's the whole point. He has no remorse. He has no feelings. And, and that's, that's, that's the what purpose these, of Islam. Yeah. I just saw the movie um, 13 Hours. Uh-huh. I saw it twice. It's a very oh, good really? movie, it's by a the good way. Movie, yeah. it really, really, it, it really discovers and explores the Benghazi area. And I don't want to drill down too much on this, but there's one... They, they talk about this area outside the the um, compound wall. It's one side of the, and they call it Zombieland. And they say, you take Zombieland, I mean, it covers up Zombieland. And what they meant by that is the zombies are coming yeah. from us, from that, that side. Yeah. And, and they didn't mean all Muslims, of, yeah, course, of course not, but they're talking about because the monsters who are the coming. The terrorists the, who are coming to The protesters who watch the video. <laughs> yeah. Those guys. Yeah, yeah, no, you're being facetious. But, but yeah, they're, they're talking about the monsters who, who just can't, you know, they, they might as well be zombies. And I thought and to myself... And they did blow up the fence several times. Yes, oh, many times. They did, so... And, and they are zombies. They are zombies. They, they, they are, and I thought to myself, you know what? Program, it's very totally aptly program. named. It's zombie land. These, at least these monsters that are coming, they are zombies. Yeah. They are programmed. And uh, one dies, well, then the next one steps over him to get to the next next wall. Just like in all the zombie movies you do see, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's the closest thing we have. All right, so um, this goes to uh, another question, which is, because you've heard us differentiate between, you know, not all Muslims and, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. good Muslims, of course, and such. But you've heard this phrase, moderate Muslim. Mm-hmm. And I want to believe, and I, I have some clients who are Muslim, they seem nice. Um, what does that mean? Is, is there such a thing as a moderate Muslim? Or is it a, a Muslim who is moderate, what we consider moderate, is it somebody that is not actually practicing Islam? Yeah. Well, the word moderate and radical Muslims, I've only heard them in the West. 
Okay. When when I lived in the Muslim world, there was nothing called moderate Muslim and radical Muslim. So it's coined in the West to differentiate and not offend Muslims. Ah. To differentiate be between the people who actually do the jihad, the war, and the people who don't. Yeah. But there are many, uh, there are f about four kinds of jihad. There is the jihad of war and beheading and burning and all what ISIS is doing right now, that level of jihad. Then there's the financial jihad, people who are actually donating to Hamas and all these groups. This is a kind of jihad, too. And then there is a kind of verbal jihad. And there's a kind of silence, even, jihad, which is you're silent and you defend it. And all of these kinds of jihad work together like an orchestra. Mm -hmm. It's... They are all, but the West doesn't understand that the different roles, they want to differentiate it. So they call this a moderate Muslim, ah. maybe the ones that are silent, and the ones who are financially helping them, maybe they are, uh, uh, you know, uh, unindicted co-conspirator. <laughs> I see. And I see. the ones who actually do the jihad are, the, they call them the radical Muslims. So in other words, everyone has the role. Everyone has it. Like my, like my law firm, I have uh, my staff, my secretary, exactly. I have my paralegal, I have exactly. my younger associates, and I have my partners. Exactly. All of them do a different role. But it's for the purpose of the law office. Right. The purpose right? is to effectuate law. Exactly. Right? To, to represent and also clients. Every and you day. have clients. Yeah. And Islam is like any nation. There is the army that does the actual... Uh, uh, violent uh, defense or whatever you want to call it, go right. to war. There is the diplomacy side, department yes. of the secretary, the state, right. the state department. And usually they are working for the same company, government, but it's just different roles. But what happened is the West call the Muslims who are not doing the actual jihad these are moderate Interesting. Muslims. All right. So, so they are aiming for the ultimate goal, and the ultimate goal is Sharia law everywhere. Exactly. And if you ask most Muslims, uh, there were few uh, uh, statistics that were done in the Middle East. If you go to Egypt, most people will tell you, yes, we want to live under Sharia law because that's what Allah wants from us. Yeah. So the majority of Muslims will say, uh, we want to live under Sharia law, but they don't, they, if you ask them specifically, but don't you know that Sharia law kills apostates? They say, yeah, uh, do you want apostates to be killed? Some people would say, uh, actually, in fact, 85% of Egyptians, Muslim Egyptians, want to apply the, the apostasy. Right, I know. It's, but, but, it's a, it sounds but these are... These are not <coughs> these are moderate Muslims. Right. So there is there is a disconnect. Right. But at the end, they 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 are all afraid of criticizing Sharia because if you criticize Sharia, you become automatically an apostate. So they become part of the machine, regardless, is what you're saying. They become part of the machine, yeah. but uh, because Islam encourages lying. Actually, it does not only encourage lying. The Sharia books clearly, clearly state a Muslim should is obliged to lie if it's for the benefit of Islam. And Barak, 
Do you know that when I was a Muslim, I used to incorporate two opposite ideas in my mind and feel perfectly in harmony with it? Oh, what's that? And you find it in many Muslims. Many Muslims will stand and they are sincere. And they will say Islam is a religion of peace. And at the same time, the same person will turn around and if he's walking in Gaza, they say, I am for the jihadists, I am, go kill the Jews, and they will defend the, the terrorists who are killing little children. And to them, this is, doesn't create a conflict. <laughs> it does not create a conflict. Maybe in their mind, uh, they're, they're for peace when everything is under Sharia law and exactly. everyone is happy with each but other. But not Sharia only law. that, trust me, there's a lot of Muslims who really are unaware consciously because they are not trained to analyze. Yeah. Muslims are not trained to analyze or ask questions. They are trained to obey. Islam is submission. So when you're trained all your life to obey and think of Islam as the perfect ideology, perfect religion, then you are left with the idea that this is perfection, Islam is perfection, and if Islam commands me to uh, honor kill uh, somebody uh, or kill a Jew or kill a Christian because they are infidels, then it must be for the good of, right. of uh, it, it, must be an, it must be a holy thing. Noni, I must say that this is very disturbing to me. It is. It's, it's very disturbing. I, I, because a part of the Western mindset is that if they only see how nice we are, if they only see how successful we are by innovations and everything else. They see. They, and they, yeah, they of are course envious. They see. And, and, and Instead of then, they, then they'll change and become more like us. They'll want the same goodies that we produce. They, they'll want the same peaceful uh, you know, tuitions uh, for schools and everything else and the coexistence. And what, what I'm hearing from you is, and I, it certainly explains it very adequately and, and more than adequately, uh, it explains why this hatred, no matter what we do. The more you try to make them love you, the more you stir the envy in them. Because the ideology is so strict about certain things like uh, commandments of, of the Sharia for Muslims. You have to live, I have to live under Sharia. Yeah. And to live under Sharia, I must do this and this and this and this. And all of these commandments in Sharia for a Muslim are opposite to the Ten Commandments. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, it, it disturbs me. I, I'm trying to figure out why it disturbs me so much. And I think part of it is also that the sense that we like to think that we can reason with other people, that we can talk to them about, you know, if, if I'm, if we, you and I are sharing cookies, cookie recipes, I can say, well, Noni, you know, I yeah. think this recipe is better. It's better. Look, it's it's healthier, yeah. it tastes more yes. fun, and it's, it's it's also less calories. Yeah. And then you try it and you say, oh yeah, it does taste better. Oh, let's go with this one. Yeah. You know that that seems reasonable, right? It, it's just the way we operate. And but I'm I I hear that there's just no piercing through that. Yeah. Well, the Bible and the West, they think of the cake. It can expand to cover everybody. Yeah. Islam thinks the cake is static. It's, it has to be snatched from your hand if oh. I get it. Let's talk about one other area, and that is the area of our president, Obama. I rarely like to use his first name because I share the same first name. 
but that's another story. The pronunciation <laughs> only. The pronunciation but only, the not the spelling either. No. Yeah, it doesn't mean the same yeah, thing. And in, no. in, in Arabic, it means blessed. Yeah. In Hebrew. Baraka, like yeah. Baraka, yeah. it means a blessing. Right. Uh, in uh, Hebrew, Barak means lightning. Lightning. Very different word. Barak, actually, it is also Arabic. Oh, is that but right? Barak is like when uh, when there's lightning. Yeah. They say Barak. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But all right. So uh, there. I guess there is. It's, a similarity. Isn't it amazing? It's it's. Oh, salam and shalom. Practically and the yeah, same. Yeah, and I'm language. I'm just steaming right here because yeah. Barak. Good cookie recipes are never with less calories. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> this has been an Ari David digression. All right. Uh, let's talk about the President Obama. Um, look, uh, you and I, I think we agree very much on this. We talked about this offline. The, the whole issue of, is Obama a Muslim? You and I, we don't give a crap if he's a Muslim. Muslim or not. It doesn't mean anything. It's, I, it's, I, what we care about I is... I care what, from one thing, officially. Right. If a person says... I'm a Muslim. It means you believe in the Quran and the Sharia. I see. You cannot call yourself a Muslim without believing in Sharia. And by nature, Sharia is against our constitution. Yes. So it, it creates a conflict of interest. If you're a Christian or a Jew, you don't have a conflict of interest with with. Your, your belief system does okay. not have a conflict of interest with the Constitution. Right. Or even if you're an atheist. You know, exactly, uh, even it, if you're an atheist. Right. But if you're a Muslim, your belief system is in total conflict of interest no. with the Constitution. That's a good Constitution. point. That's a very interesting point. Um, can you tell me, if you, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, mm-hmm. um, I think that he... He seems, regardless of whether he's a Muslim or not, it doesn't matter. It's like we said, uh, whether or not the Rosenbergs were Russian. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's what, not the what, point. Right. The point it's, is, yeah. were they serving the Russians? Exactly. And the question here is, to what extent is Obama serving Islam? And I, I think from a lot of the actions that he's taken in the past seven plus years, that he's been serving the interests of Islam. I mean, there's too many examples, but one, the way he's uh, downplaying Israel... Uh, the way he's, even the recent State of the Union address where he tries to re-angle the whole discussion as if somehow the issue is whether or not we're bullying Muslims in school mm-hmm. as, opposed, as opposed to the terrorism that appears to be happening from radical Islam. Uh, by the way, I just want to say, this is very interesting, uh, Ari, that he, he says whenever a radical explosion happens, mm-hmm. he says this has nothing to do with Islam. No, that's... But, what, but when a child bullies a Muslim, they say hey, it's anti-Islam. <laughs> Exactly. It's, it is all about Islam. So it only goes one way, you understand. But anyway, it's an interesting point. Can you can you elaborate a little bit yeah. more about this? I don't see passion in Obama ever when he speaks, unless when he's defending Islam. Oh. I don't see any passion in him. Yeah. The only time I see passion in Obama is when he's defending Islam. Wow. And That's a very good way of putting it. Yes. I see that. Yeah, so I can't judge what's in his heart, whether he's a Muslim or not, and it doesn't really matter. Right. But Obama is the best gift America has given Islam after 9-11. Wow. What a shocking statement. And I I think it's sadly very true. Yeah. So after 9-11, Barack, terrorism uh, affects people uh, negatively. It affects not only individuals, it affects nations. It makes you compromise with the devil. Terrorism really impacts, and it, it, terrorism works. 
Islam has di discovered since its inception that terrorism works on the human psyche. And when 9-11 happened, the American people, unfortunately, were never comforted enough by their media. They, they were bullied uh, as though America is so powerful and so great that it does not re deserve to be, uh, uh, you know, I, I noticed from the very beginning that the media was harsh on America. And I, even our leadership, even, even uh, President Bush, whom I admire, he still said, Islam is a religion of peace. Mm -hmm. So this urge to defend Islam is so prominent in the West at the expense of the American people. Yeah. So the trauma that the American people suffered after 9-11 was never released in a healthy way. Yeah, that's true. They, they asked all the wrong questions. They, they asked, yeah. why they, do they hate us? So In fact, they placed more blame on that. On I mean, you see the pastor of, of Obama, he was saying that the, the, the roosters are coming. The chickens, the have chickens have come chickens home, to, have roost. home roost to roost. Which means what? This is a slap in the face of American people. And a lot of people on the left in America felt the same way. Yeah. There were, there were uh, university professors who believed that they, we had it coming, that uh, the people who died in 9-11 in were all... Uh, little Eichmann. Little Eichmann, yeah. exactly. I mean, the abuse that the American people had from the far left and from the media after 9-11, as though they deserve it, was not a comforting thing. And the American people, uh, this abuse, in my opinion, it is abuse against the average American pe person, led us with all this guilt. When you confine the guilt and you don't release it after an act of terrorism on an individual and on a nation, it, it makes people feel that they owe the terrorists something. And that's what we call the Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. And it's not a coincidence. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but you don't even have to be a psychologist to discover that the American people's choice of the, f their f the first president they chose after 9-11, his name rhymed with Osama. Yeah. Very strange. This is not a coincidence. Yeah. In fact, it is, it, it is when, when people are traumatized, they sympathize with their abuser. Yeah. And I think America, after 9-11, their only way out, because they had no comfort from their media and from uh, even from their politicians, there was very little comfort. Yeah. I have never seen a country that cruel on its own citizens. You as, know, as in the United States. And there was States. also the constant refrain, we're not at war with we're Islam. Not at war no, we're, and exactly. never do they ask the question, okay, fine, we're not at war with Islam, but is Islam at war with yes, us? Exactly. <laughs> and I, I felt that the, the average American was abandoned like a child abandoned by his parents after 9-11. And that psychology is very destructive because eventually you get it out in an emotion of I am sorry. Well, here's and the a, emotion yeah. of I am sorry came out in the election of Barack 
Barack right. Hussein. The self-recrimination start. Uh, it's and to use a terrible analogy. Uh, sorry, a, a horrific analogy, but it's actually a very apt analogy. It's like a little girl who's molested, mm -hmm. and they tell her, "Don't talk about it." And then, later and then on, she goes and marries a man who looks like her molester. Exactly. And then she goes into the adult film business and makes exactly. a career of it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And she only blames herself. That's, exact, and that's a very good analogy. Yeah. And uh, like the abused woman right. who is beaten every day by her husband. And then she call, one time she calls the police. By the time the police comes, oh, please don't arrest him. He's my, I mean, she defends him. So because... America was not allowed to mourn and feel sorry for its loss right. of 3,000 people with their whole families. I mean, the loss is huge yeah. at the national level. And we were not allowed to mourn, but we were actually cursed. We actually we cursed ourselves, we cursed and then ourselves. we went out of our ways to say this is not about Islam. This is not this about is. Islam. And when it was about Islam... And that's the, the, the crisis of it all. Listen, I, the way I look at it sometimes, and maybe we need to, I think, wrap it up, um, mm. I, I think sometimes it's a question of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, we have America mm. that looks, and, and this is even before Islam uh, with its um, efforts into America, it was always, through the 60s and otherwise, was looking to demonize its, itself. It, it saw itself mm. as a colonialist empire. It saw itself as uh, a mm. bad uh, entity that uh, many other uh, places, even Russia for that matter, might be better than America. And then, and then here comes uh, radical Islam, which is all too willing to embrace that mentality and exploit it mm. and say, yes, you have been very bad and were going to take over now because you've been so bad. Absolutely. What you're saying is so true because the West has taken biblical values too far. Fine. You are supposed to examine yourself. You are encouraged by the Bible to look within and change. But if you indulge too much in that, which I think what happened to the West, then you go too far on the blaming yourself part and I think that's the, what, where the West is. And then Islam is the exact opposite, which is blame others and never blame yourself. Wow. It's a marriage made in hell. Wow. Islam and the biblical West is a marriage made in hell. Wow. Well, with that, I think uh, that's the perfect way of ending it. Noni, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, you are a blessing uh, unto uh, the world. Um, may your words echo. Keep on writing, please. Keep on speaking as much as you can. And uh, the more I hear from you, uh, the more I learn. But I see that other people see it too. You have insights that no matter how we look at things, we just can't see it the same way you do, and nor with the experience that you have. Mm. God bless you, Noni. Thank, Thank you, Barack. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Ari. This is Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you next week.